Good morning, people of hope. I'm Pastor Stephen. We are in a brand new sermon series, Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus takes a seaside stroll with his disciples. Crowds follow. They climb a hillside. He sits down and begins to teach the greatest sermon ever said. Find your spot in this grassy hillside. The sermon is about to begin. Let's pray. Gracious God, you have given us more than we could possibly imagine. More than we could ever thank you for. And so, Lord, we come to you with nothing. You give us everything. Help us, Lord, in our homelessness and our hunger as we walk this earth to find satisfaction in you, to find that you and only you are enough and more than enough. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's church said, everyone loves their hobby until it becomes their job. His name's Peter. He's been fishing this lake since he was five years old, even though his Jewish mother worries he might drown. Out on the boat with his dad and his brother, they drag the nets through the water, hoping to trap that school of silver-scaled tilapia just beneath the surface. The sun beats down his darkened face and neck, deepening the tan line hiding just beneath his collar. It's late afternoon, he's ready to turn in for the day. He watches the position of the sun, then the shore, then the position of the sun, then the shore, like he's watching the hands of a clock count down until the weekend begins. As he's watching there, he spots him. The celebrity teacher everyone's been talking about. They say, that when this man was baptized, the heavens opened up. The Spirit of God descended like a dove. And a voice shouted from heaven, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. They say that he spent the last 40 days and 40 nights fasting and fighting the devil himself out in the wilderness. They say that his words heal the sick and bring hardened soldiers to tears. And here he is on the shore, close enough that the water wraps around his sandals with each crashing wave. Peter's surprised he can hear the teacher's words. Past the wind and the waves, the grunts of the fishermen and the squawking of the birds. Yet clear as day, he hears the teacher call to him, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Without hesitation, Peter is overboard, his brother too, wading through the water toward Jesus. Matthew 4, just before the Sermon on the Mount, the story continues with these words. Jesus went with Peter, his brother Andrew, his disciples, through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. The crowds who followed Jesus to hear the Sermon on the Mount are ordinary people like Peter, like you, like me, coming from all walks of life, all trades, all social statuses, and for all sorts of reasons. Some come for hope, others for healing, and still more, just to see what all the noise is about. Jesus takes his seat at the hill summit. His disciples gather around, and he opens with what we now call Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word blessed means grateful and glad for all we've been given. We might expect blessed are the poor, for they will be rich in spirit. I've worked with Ugandan orphans who are homeless and hungry, but filled with the joy of the Lord. I've worked with Honduran families who have nothing but a one-room shack, yet they praise God with a smile. They're poor physically, but they're rich in spirit. Yet that's not what Jesus says here. He says, and if we pop up the verse one more time, let's read this together. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the what? Poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word poor here is ptokos, complete destitution, beggars in need of handouts just to survive. We are beggars in need of heavenly handouts. And what does God do with the poor in spirit? Spiritual beggars who have nothing to offer him, nothing to give back. He gives us the kingdom of heaven. We come homeless. He gives us his home. We come with nothing. He gives us everything. Jesus tells a story, Matthew 18, or Luke 18 rather, He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, the best of the best outwardly, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. 
and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's poor in spirit. Like we're holding up a sign for help on the highway exit. We come homeless. And God gives us his home. We come homeless and God gives us his home. Jesus continues, Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Realizing we're poor in spirit, we mourn over our sin. 2 Corinthians 7, 10, it puts it this way. It says that godly sorrow leads to repentance that leads to salvation. We mourn over our sin because we hurt ourselves and we hurt others. Yet again, God meets us in our brokenness. We come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. We mourn with hope, knowing that the God who comforts us welcomes us into his kingdom forever. We come hurting. And God gives us his healing. We come hurting. God gives us his healing. Jesus continues, Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus here, he's quoting Psalm 37. The meek will inherit the earth. It's a strange idea. Meekness. The word meek means weak, lowly. Certainly not my idea of inheriting the earth, of royalty, yet here's how it works. Because we come to God with nothing, we trust that he is the one who will provide everything. We don't need power and position in this world. God will reward us. We're already promised to inherit the earth. We don't need to fight for our place in it. I've heard it put this way. Joy is an acronym. It's putting Jesus first, others second, yourself third. J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself. If there's a burnt piece of toast, I want that piece. If there is a parking spot that's farther away, I want that spot. That's meekness. Being third. Jesus, others, yourself. We come humbled. And God gives us his inheritance. We come humbled and God gives us his inheritance. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When we come to God with nothing, he begins to transform us. He comforts us in our mourning. He promises us his kingdom. And sooner or later, we begin hungering for more 
of God. More of what he's doing in our lives, more of his presence, his guidance, his grace. We stop stressing about our own righteousness, our own reputation. We start seeking his righteousness, his will for our lives. Jesus puts it this way a little later in the sermon, Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. They'll be thrown in. The beauty of hungering after God is that he fills us. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit. It's still not dependent on our work. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the righteous. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're completely dependent on God to fill us. We come hungry. And God fills us with his spirit. We come hungry and God fills us with his spirit. These first four Beatitudes, they focus on how we come to God. The next four Beatitudes focus on who we become in God. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As God fills us with his love, we begin to overflow. Jesus gave us this example in verse 39, just a little later in the sermon. He says this. We can pop up the words on the screen. He says this in Matthew 5, 39. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. We owed a great debt. And God showed us mercy. So we too can show mercy when others wrong us. If there's someone you haven't forgiven today, it's time to let go. God has forgiven you your sins. It's time to forgive them from their sins. Blessed are the merciful. Jesus says we become merciful as God shows us his mercy. We become merciful as God shows us his mercy. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now this is a radical statement, to see God, for we read in the Old Testament over and over, no one can see God and live. And yet as God fills us more and more, we begin to see God at work in and through our lives. We see God's face in the face of those we serve. We see God's heart in the hearts of those we love. As Jesus would later say, Matthew 25, verse 40. He says this, 
Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In the face of others, we see the face of Jesus. We become pure as God shows us his face. We become pure as God shows us his face. Jesus continues, blessed are the, what's this word? Peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. More and more, we see God's face in the face of others. We begin to love them like God loves us. We become ambassadors of peace, participating in God's plan to heal the world. We become peacemakers, as God shows us his plan. We become peacemakers as God shows us his plan. Jesus finishes, blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we become poor in spirit, when we become meek, mourning, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, we will be persecuted. It will cost us something. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus himself had trouble. He was tortured. He was crucified on the cross for us and for our salvation. He died for our sins, giving us everything when we had nothing to give in return. Nothing with which to purchase our salvation. Three days later, he rose victorious. The tomb is empty with nothing but the scars in his hands and his feet in his side, completely healed otherwise. Scars to remind us that we could never purchase salvation on our own, that Jesus paid it all. That's the great promise. We come to God with nothing. He gives us persecution for a short while and peace forever. With opportunities of persecution, we find opportunities to participate in the suffering of Christ. We become persecuted as God shows us his scars. We've heard Jesus' words. How do we live what we've learned? Remember Peter, that fisherman who hopped off his boat to follow Jesus. When Jesus finishes his final beatitude, he looks straight at Peter, the other disciples. He doubles down on this last point. 
he looks straight at him and says, blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven from the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Following Jesus has a cost. For Peter, it cost him his fishing boat. Now you might think fishing boat, that's a pretty high cost. For a Galilean peasant, oh, it was much more. Imagine a refugee family coming into Fargo with nothing but the clothes on their back. They get jobs washing dishes in the back of a restaurant, save up the little they can after doing their best to cover expenses. And after years of hard labor, eventually are able to open their own restaurants. That key is in the palm of their hand. They turn it over, they set it on the table. They walk away, leaving it behind. For a Galilean peasant like Peter, for their family to have a boat was nothing short of a miracle. Following Jesus cost him something. Jesus knew when he called him on that shoreline, it would cost Peter much more than a fishing boat. It would cost Peter his life. 30 years later, under Emperor Nero, Peter was crucified upside down in Rome for preaching this gospel, this good news, that we come with nothing and God gives us everything. The Beatitudes are about our attitudes, about seeing our absolute poverty, our absolute dependence on God. An attitude where we want to get up early and pray, where we want to read the scripture daily, where we want to love those in our lives as loving Christ himself, because that's where we experience Jesus Christ, because that's where we find our home, our food, our life. We come homeless, and God gives us his home. We come hurting, and God gives us his healing. We come humbled, and God gives us his inheritance. We come hungry and God gives us his spirit. We become merciful as God shows us his mercy. We become pure as God shows us his face. We become peacemakers as God shows us his plan. And we become persecuted as God shows us his scars. We come to him with nothing. He gives us everything. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray. 
God, we truly are beggars holding up our signs in the highway exit. And Lord, as you pass, you stop every time. You listen. You provide. You feed. You bring us home. Lord, we need you. Help us to have that attitude of dependence, of surrender, of hope. That you are with us, you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. That we are yours now and forever. We pray this all in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all God's church said, Amen.